driving gloves were a combination of gearheads. John, the instigator. Derek, the conservator. Will, the builder. Sean, the racer. And maybe a guest. Invite you to listen while they sit down, have a drink, and discuss cars. Learn more and subscribe to the podcast with no driving gloves. Time now for the ride. Hey, Derek, we've got a special guest here in a few minutes, but how's things been going for you? If I said horrible, what would you say? I'd say, oh, that's just kind of 2020, isn't it? I don't know if anybody's having yeah, Exactly. No, everything's going great. Actually kind of exciting. Of course, we released the, the recording with Myron and our interview with Myron Burnus about his car collection. And, of course, the uh, acquisition of the Lloyd for my collection, which we did run a little uh, competition or contest for, John. I think you're going to reveal the winner of that here in a moment. But already have uh, dug up some information on the car that I did not know, uh, just from social media posts and it kind of making its way around the micro car world on social media. So it's it's been great. I'm learning a little bit more about the car. So it's uh, it's fun. And uh, it's kind of good to hear. I'm glad to know that, you know, people listened, reached out. Uh, a lot more people played the game than I thought they would. We ran them. I kind of gave up on pictures because otherwise we're going to have way too many people to randomly choose from. But uh, I think we ran four or five pictures of your car and then finally wrapped up that. with the, We had two exact answers, and that's what we sent. We had a couple just random Lloyd guesses, but we had two exact answers. So we chose those. And then we randomly selected by me not telling Derek the names and Derek picked a number between one and two and one and a half. Yep. That's what he went with. So uh, Rodney Phillips is the winner of the Amazon gift card. Uh, By this time, this airs, he should know it and have received his gift card in that. And we thank everybody for playing along. Uh, everybody who did enter will go ahead and uh, normally in any of these contests when we did the wheel hub contest and that uh, we have a standard thing. If you go to our website and give us your name, we'll send you a, a, a no driving glove sticker. So uh, no driving glove stickers to everybody who entered through that Instagram contest too. Um, so thanks everybody for playing. We'll come up with something new, but if you do go to the no driving gloves.com website, there's always a pop-up fill it out and uh it'll uh mention that uh you you get at least give a get a free sticker for letting us know you listen and giving us your email address and things like that uh me my life's still boring uh still building a podcast business uh playing a little bit with cars accidentally but uh had to answer some questions this week and chat with a few people and like an idiot, I forgot to go back and look at what episode we covered it on. It was probably back episode 78 or 80, if I remember correctly. But way back, if you go through our, our thing and you look up uh, something about wrapping, uh, Will, Derek, and I chatted one night about wrapping vehicles and made a complete idiots of ourselves. I think Will was the most knowledgeable. Yeah, I think Will had just mm-hmm. had just wrapped. <laughs> well, there's our guest agreeing with us. Will had just wrapped Scotty D's uh, truck. And if anybody, uh, what, God, boy, am I unprepared for this tonight? Um, it's going to be too late. But Will's at um, what did he say? He 
He's he's at the Rod Run at Pigeon Forge. Yes, he's at the Rod Run. That's why he's not joining us tonight for this uh, debuting a car there. Hopefully, even though that was two weeks ago because the way our recording schedule goes. Um, that's why Will's not here tonight. Hopefully you saw his car. Uh, wish we would have had him on, you know, a week or two ago to let us know the car was going to debut there, but he's, you know, TV celebrity now. So, uh, that, yeah, that's, he's, that's, he's, he's the hot co-host, right? Yeah. And, and, and Sean was in, um, San Francisco all last week, you know, putting the simulators together and playing at the racetrack amongst the flames, guess it was a hot week for him and uh he needed to take the night off and spend some time with his wife and you'll understand when i say he was you know cutting up their uh steak tonight with a pair of scissors oh that's a bummer i was hoping to catch up with uh, yeah and he you know like i said he was he was playing i thought he would jump on but he's uh he, he's got to take care of the wife and i guess i understand that but, but our guest tonight well, i've known for, through the lotus community for got to be 10 years if not 12 years i probably met keith at the first log lotus owners gathering at barbers back in is that oh nine i think it was i i think that sounds right because we did two or two or three at barbers while i was there we were really quick in a really popular space i guess because of the, the lotus collection there and uh nobody else is willing to do that much work Absolutely. for free Keith is a professional vehicle rapper and has wrapped some amazing cars throughout his, his career, some very odd things. And maybe we'll touch on some of that. Uh, I know he's done some celebrity cars, some athlete cars. Um, he's out of the uh, Atlanta, Georgia area. Is uh, Chuforia still your company, Keith? I didn't ask. We didn't do any pre-show stuff, so I didn't ask him. Kind of. I've just operated underneath that name for so long that a lot of people know it. So a friend of mine, some time ago, actually an old Lotus friend, he's moved on to McLaren's now, but um, he saw my website was down and he's like, Keith, you know, I do websites. He's like, just give me your info. I'll put it back up. So, you know, he's got my website up pretty good. It's got a few little errors I need to correct, but it's my own fault. Like I just need to submit to him. He's got a guy that helps me. So Rasul has been fantastic for getting my site back up. I kind of always did a lot of little Lotus things, having been, been a Lotus owner for 15 years. I've done clear bra and graphics, so I did a lot of Lotus stripe kits. Kind of a fun thing. I just sold my car, and my buyer, leaving it here an extra couple of days so I can stripe it to his liking before it heads his way to California. So that's kind of fun. But yeah, graphic stripes, whatever, one form of another for quite some time. Yeah, we're going to talk to you about the selling of your car after we talk about video wrapping, or <laughs> after we talk about car wrapping. So Certainly. if anybody wants to stick around or fast forward, if you don't care about wrapping, Keith, Keith did an amazing job and had a really good experience with uh, with the sale of his car. Very open well, I mean, about it. I would, I would say that if you can sell your car and then get work for your business out of the car you just sold, that's pretty darn good. It is pretty good. And, um, and you know, one of the fantastic things about owning a Lotus was the car – really did pay for itself several times over in business that it brought me connections and friends. I mean, on its own, that's its entirely its own thing, but uh, I did charity events with it every year. So I met well-connected people that have much more money than me. You know, it was events held by Ferrari, Lamborghini, 
And it was funny because I was the youngest guy there. I had the car. I'm not the youngest guy anymore, but I owned the car 15 years. So I would be on the news and stuff in the Lotus at the Ferrari event, you know, which was fun. Met all these people with all these fun cars. And I got to protect them with clear bra or do graphics. And, you know, I always got to take fun people's fun cars and make them make cool cars cooler. I think that's something that uh, all the whole host contingent here at No Driving Gloves, you know, enjoys doing. And we'll probably touch on it a little bit more, but you, you did the right thing. You know, you drove your car. You weren't afraid to put the miles on it. You knew in the beginning you might take a, a hit for that. We'll let people know in, you know, about 20 minutes uh, what kind of hit you took because you used the car. Yeah, my attitude was, you know, I had, uh, I'm sorry, I guess we can get to that later. I, well, we can cover the wrapping stuff now. So otherwise we'll go off on that yeah. tangent. <laughs> That's the way it works. This is no driving gloves. We'll always wrap back around. Excuse me. We'll always circle back yeah, around. <laughs> pun, in, okay. pun intended. <laughs> What got you into vehicle wrapping? Were you one of these guys? I think I commented on um, somebody's page. It might even be a friend of yours that, you know, he, he commented just this week that, he you know, he runs a vehicle detailing service and he's tired of training people and then they go out and do it on their own because they think they can do it on their own. Were you one of those guys or did you, how did you fall into? Well, no, that is absolutely a problem. I, I got into it pretty early on. I'm 42 now. So when I was a wee lad, <laughs> when I was a kid, maybe 20, I met, a, I met a kid that his dad had a print shop. And out of the back of the print shop, he was kind of doing this car graphics thing. And it was at the time, like, before Fast and Furious had come out. And he was into the import crowd. He had a, he had a WS6 Trans Am with a bunch of Lincoln Felter stuff. He was kind of like the little rich kid. But Everyone else had the imports, you know, there was some Talons and Civics and whatnot and mini trucks around. And it was kind of neat because there was always these kids hanging around with these cool cars and he had access to all this neat equipment. And I got to see kind of that side of it. And I started helping out in the shop and he kind of, you know, got me into it. And so I learned the software side of it and stuff, just kind of looking over his shoulder. And um, I bought my own plotter and software. I got the same software he had since I learned a little bit from it. And um, just started doing graphics. I worked for Hitachi at the time. I'd worked for Ford and Hitachi. My background's automotive engineering from the Motor City. So, you know, I would do the company cars at work. Whatever car I was into at the time, I would sell stuff on eBay. I would sell stuff on, you know, whatever online avenue. I would do swap mates. I always had some kind of side hustle going. And then I just went one thing to another. I would start seeing these car wraps, you know, after doing vehicle graphics and striping and stuff for years. Uh, muscle car stripes did a lot of that. and. I would see these car wraps and said, I got to do this. It's kind of the next bigger thing. And then I, in the meantime, I started doing clear bra. I used to just sell Lotus clear bra online. I owned a tanning salon for a while, so I did that. And I would just sell the Lotus clear bra online. And then eventually people, people kept asking me to do it. So I started getting in, into installing the clear bra. First one I ever did was on a Lotus race car, which I got myself into a real tangle, but it, it, it did come out good. The guy still has the car actually. And the clear bra is still good. So, um, done tons and tons of Lotus stuff. I mean, I, it, I go to any Lotus show and I can just go down the list and every car, see something I've done something on a Colin Chapman signature, a formula one gas door, a black wheel emblem, you know, a license plate plant, something of the sort. So yeah, wraps just kind of became the next bigger thing to do with graphics. So I had a neighbor manage the Chrysler dealership, uh, Palmer Dodge. And I, I, kept, I, thought, I thought, Hey, Jeep will be easy. It's kind of square. 
you know, so I, I asked him to get me a Jeep to wrap and, and he did, he got me a new Jeep. I took this thing apart in my garage and locked myself in the garage over the weekend with a roll of matte black vinyl. At the end of the weekend with a lot of cussing, I had a matte black Jeep. So they put it on the lot, sold it hours later, uh, sold two of them. Second buyer said, well, I want one like that. So they called me back later in the day and said, here's, we're bringing you a second one, do it just like that one. And then from that point forward, I'd wrap Jeep after Jeep after Jeep. I did 13 Jeeps. And, um, I think I did Jeep. I, rem- I remember seeing those on your, yeah, seeing those on your social media and stuff. And, and you had a pretty good run with that dealership from there. Yeah. So I did Jeep, 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 Lamborghini. Again, Lamborghini was from a gentleman I met that owned a car audio shop here in Atlanta, a really big one. He met me at the charity event that the Ferrari dealer put on. So, you know, he had me come in and I wrapped this wrapper's. Lamborghini, B.O.B., I think was his name. You know, fun project to, to do that. It was a challenge for me at the time, but it came out good. Um, and then it was a Ferrari after that for some some guy. It kind of was a shady broker deal. The, guy, the owner of the Ferrari was not shady, but the broker was. You know, so dealing with the car experiences, you still meet the shady people. Uh, even in the exotic world, it's kind of fun. Well, some of the exotic owners are shady, and I do remember uh, <laughs> some what do you call them vague book posts about the old Ferrari that you had there and that, I mean, that's kind of reminiscing about, you know, our past or what we know. And that's, you know, alien to the listeners. Yeah. There's been a few Ferrari stories out there. You have your ups and downs in this, you know, this business. And um, as a warning to anybody out there, just because they have a nice car or or such, uh, and no offense to the owners, a lot of times they're the hardest people to get the money out of. Not that they want to cheat you or anything, but sometimes, they, they like to they like to hold on to their money as long as they can. Certainly, and there's a lot of people looking for favors. When you deal with celebrities, you're dealing with their guy. It's never them. It's their boy. You know that type of thing. Uh, I think you get that all the time. Um, excuse me. I'm, I might even be guilty of of that a couple times with you. Uh, you know, asking for favors or whatever, just because. And as times went on, I've definitely learned the. Uh, the first thing that a friend should do to a friend in business is pay him full price and never even question it. You know, business lesson, go back to one of our Tony Watley episodes if you want to want a business class. But, you know, I feel bad sometimes because I, I, I wanted to get some stuff from you. And there's some stuff that we ended up leaving unfinished that were supposed to be done for some of the projects I had at in previous job. Well, no big, no big deal. We could definitely, I kind of have expanded um, printing resources I can help take care of you on now as well. So, Maybe we can help you in your future endeavors. Um, I might, might have to reach out to you <laughs> uh, with all these new businesses and things going. We, we we might figure out something. Derek might reach out to and, you know, get get a, a sticker of a, a old Chevy Chevy or something. Well, you know, I mean, you got to figure out a way to how to. Yeah, I'd love to help you. We, we helped Yoda. We helped Yoda recently with SimCraft or with um whatever. His, Nemesis. His, Don't. His yeah. Simulator. yeah. Nemesis well, well, yeah, yeah, we'll beep out the yeah. the S word that you use there. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we can figure out how to wrap an antique car, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, I think that's the next thing. Certainly. Wrap a model. You can wrap anything. Wrap a model T with that fuzzy wrap. <laughs> oh, there's a gentleman. Um, there's a guy out of Australia. His name is Nick something or other. I'm drawing a blank on the name of his shot, but he enters this contest every year that Avery runs for other rappers called Rap Like a King. 
And this guy wins it every year with an absolutely, he deserves to win by all means. Absolutely amazing match. But he did like a 30s tea bucket type thing in all full wrap. But I mean, so many layers, so many different materials, gold leafing, uh, embossing using multiple layers. I mean, and, and they did it with like the engine out, the complete firewall or the dashboard. It's unbelievable. Um, so classic cars are getting wrapped now. When you go to shows, it's not unusual to see a color change wrap. Some of them now, there's there's new films coming out all the time. There's a new one in, in O's Tech that's very paint-like. I mean, if you see it, you would not know it's not paint. I mean, the gloss level, the metallics, pearls, everything in them. Um, you get color changing. There's textures if you want to do alligator skin or leather um, from a French company, Hexus. You can wrap block walls now. It's amazing, you know, really what you can do, how far the materials are. Well, when we talked before on whatever episode that was, Will was even in agreement that within, he was thinking five years, you're going to be able to start going to the Grand National Roadster show and, um, you know, some of the big shows and start seeing professionally wrapped, you know, professionally built million dollar hot rods because it's so acceptable and there's so much more you can do with that than paint. Uh, he just uh, built Scotty D a, a truck that Scotty was supposed to go around the country uh, to shows this year, but we all know what happened. Uh, and that was a full wrap and we'll use that to segue into some of the wrapping process because Will was amazed that, or the amount of body work that went into that vehicle in order to have a good wrap. And he said it was almost more extensive than paint. Uh, do you find that true that, you know, it's because you, you do stuff beyond what. You know, it depends on the vehicle. Like I've had it happen. I, I had a client some time ago now, maybe five years ago, that had an old Aston Martin that he got, uh, he dealt with some salvage vehicles and such. So he got this thing cheap. It's like a salvage car with a blown motor. He put a motor in it, you know, and it was like an Aston Martin he got for like nine grand. Uh, all of a sudden done. He had like less than 20 into this thing. The body was not great. He gave it to me with sanded spots all over it, little bondo spots, sanded down, but it was smooth, you know. So we covered it, this matte navy blue color by a company called Arlon that made vinyl at the time. And it looked fantastic for being like a really botched up car. Um, now it was this cool matte, matte metallic navy blue. And, you know, it ran great. He had a new motor in it. So, you know, less than 20 grand. Cool, older Aston Martin, like a DB, maybe DB7 they were called back then. Something like that. Um, now they kind of look more like a Jag, but still a cool car, you know. So we've done that. And occasionally, you know, body work. My own, I, I have a BMW station wagon. I've done some body work to that and wrapped over it. You know, it's just like, well, the car's always going to be wrapped now. It makes it look better. Not frequently, but occasionally you run into that. So maybe not as much as Will hinted at. Of course, he's doing a car for publicity. But basically, when you're working with a new car, we can go ahead and start with a, you know, if it's rolled off the dealership and it, you, you can't use it to cover flaws Back when I had my 12 Velocitor, I you know wrapped the roof in matte black and I wrapped the front bumper section. There's a front bumper section I did in matte black myself to dimples for where you're supposed yeah. to drill for the license plate. And well, I go with the wrap will stretch over that. And it yeah. did just fine. And then the car sat out in the sun the next day and I had two dimples in the wrap. So as it heated and shrunk. Yeah. So that happens to new people a lot. So 
the vinyl basically has a memory. Like you, you probably used it enough to see like, like you can stretch it and then like, Oh no, you made a mistake. Or like you can stretch it deep into a headlight bucket, heat it and then shrink the material back to its original form. So, you know, most people, if they played with vinyl a little bit and they've got a heat gun or a torch out, they're familiar or hair dryer, whatever. They're familiar with that memory type that vinyl has. So what, what you want to do is you need to break that memory by heating most, it depends on the, the manufacturer and the material, but for most of them, it's about 200 degrees. And you need to get the glue underneath 200 degrees, really the metal of the vehicle, the paint of the vehicle, you need to get to 200 degrees. And then you'll break that memory, but you want to lay it into, lay it into like channels, like a van with a body line. You want to lay it into that channel, not to stretch it and bridge it, bridge it across it and stretch it in there and then just heat it. Because more than likely over time, like you pull up next to a van in a parking lot, you're going to see that that channel pulls out and then the vinyl cracks. Um, and if you just lay it properly and don't ever stretch it in the first place, just lay it into the channel, then you'll never have that problem. But um, yeah, if vinyl's been stretched, you need to get it to 200 degrees to break that memory. Interesting tidbit there. I, I, honestly, I didn't know. And when you're doing, yeah. when you're doing your... That's a big problem. Sorry. Sorry, the biggest, the, one of the biggest problems is cleanliness, you know, not, not, not getting the surface clean enough. You want to kind of go over it with isopropyl. You want to keep using a new microfiber, like switch it out a lot. Otherwise, you're just kind of smearing contamination around if you're moving wax or rain x or whatever around. And then the second most important process, people will really use heat and they'll overstretch the material. So in the first place, most people overstretch the material when they're new to it. And in the second place, they don't use enough heat to break the memory of the material when they have stretched it. So there's a lot of techniques to applying it. It's not something most people learn in a few hours. I, I honestly still take classes. I think I subscribe to a video series where I still learn new stuff all the time. And I've been doing this for full-time living for over 10 years. So I know the guys that are better than me, <laughs> you know, a lot of us help each other out. So, you know, it, it's fun when you get to work with somebody better than you. And then also sometimes I'm that person that's better than somebody else. And I get to help them out and, you know, show them how to do a bumper or, you know, a new tool or something like that. Sorry, I'm listening to your answers and you're changing my question, questioning because you're getting into that, that dangerous area that uh, one of the reasons we had you on the podcast is, uh, and I brought it up earlier, is you get a lot of people that come through and they, you know, after four weeks of working somewhere, they think they can do it themselves because they know all the tricks. And it happens more often with detailers, but I think it happens quite often in the vehicle wrapping industry because we all can, you know, we all can get a hair dryer or a heat gun for 20 bucks and order our vinyl off of, we'll just say eBay and go out and wrap and, you know, Vista print prints us up a couple of business cards. That absolutely happens all the time. So many people contact me that have just bought, they want to provide, they want to provide their own vinyl. It's like, well, obviously I'm going to get it at a lower cost than you, but whatever, you know, and it's just, first of all, what are you going to bring me? And that's a lot of Chinese stuff. It's a lot of eBay and Amazon products, but you can get anything on there. And there is no barrier to entry. If a kid buys a knife and a squeegee and does one wrap in his mom's garage, you know, and it's hard for me to knock these guys because I've been there. Uh, you know, I worked out of my garage plenty of times and I went back to it a couple of times. I guess I was going to more that you said you would, you know, help somebody or show them how to wrap a bumper or something. But you're not in the business of teaching people 
what you're doing. And I, I've been in that, that they want, and I, I have that problem all the time. People want to help me. I uh, think they get a discount that way, but it actually slows me down. You know, I can do it twice as fast if I'm not showing somebody Absolutely. how to do it. I can yeah. do a better job because you get a lot of young people that call, will call you, you know, because they want to, they want to help you just enough for you to wrap their car for them, <laughs> basically for you to show them how to wrap the car for them. And then they're off in their garage. You get a lot of people, as soon as they've done one wrap, they're on Facebook marketplace that they do wraps now. And you know, the bad, the, 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 the really bad thing about it is it really hurts the industry. You know, people put out a bad wrap and other people see that and they think that's, what a wrap is, you know, and there's a lot of people out there. I'm not the only guy out there that does quality work. There's, there's, there's quite a few of us, you know, so a lot of the good wraps or good clear bras, they go unnoticed because you don't know, you never notice it's not paint. A lot of people will do this a matte finish, you know, because they think, and if they, they pay for a wrap, they want people to know it's wrapped, you know, and then you do get other people that like, Hey, I just want it to look factory. And they're just after the color that they want. I mean, I've done pink Jeeps for a lady who just her husband owned a Jeep dealership and she wanted to drive a pink Jeep for a thousand miles, you know, and then they sell it to a teenage girl. So any reason, you know, that someone might want to just change the color of their car or, you know, net, we also do the commercial printed stuff. If somebody has a landscaping company or whatever, and they want to do that. Yeah, the boring sides of uh, vans and buses and. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's more fun to do exotic cars and change the color, but commercial work pays the bills better. Uh, faster, easier, with a less sticky clientele, you know. So you do a fair amount of that too, and pay the bills quickly and repeat work out of them. It's it's the it's the nature of the game with anything that, like you said, you know, it's fun to do the neat stuff, but commercial work, you know, I think keeps most businesses solvent, especially in this little bit. I've noticed over the years. Yeah, I mean, we can go out and wrap walls. If, if, and if you had enough wall work to do, you'd never touch a car, you know, because you just make multiple times the money, multiple times faster. Box trucks, the same thing. I mean, you're dealing with square footage. They go down super fast. Um, we got a guy coming in right now with a few semi-trailers. Stuff like that. I mean, you do, you you make really good money on it quickly if, if, you're, if you're quick at installing it. Yeah. You know, and after 10 years or so, you, 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 you get quicker. <laughs> No, I was going to, and it makes sense. You know, if you're going to wrap a box truck, it's a flat side. You printed it off. It's like, I'm going to say wallpapering. You just, you know, put four strips on, make sure everything lines up, get the bubbles out of it and and go. As opposed to what you're doing is, you know, take a Lotus or a Lamborghini or I remember an Aston you did at one point, um, some other cars. You disassemble everything. I mean, when you... The, the wraps, I, I know true. that you yeah. do. And it, again, it's a different level. And you obviously pay for the quality that, you know, you or Teforia or, um, does. You know, you're doing jams. You're doing, you know, taking the headlights out, taking the bumpers off, taking the door handles out. All the little things, taking the badges off of the car or precisely cutting the, you know, vinyl around badges and emblems. No, I take it all off. I did a... I did an Aston Martin for a well, one of the Braves players. I won't say who it was, but even after he traded the car in, you know, first it was a rush because it was, I think the first car he bought as a pro and I got it before he did. So, you know, he wants to show it off in the players lot. We did it matte black, which is, you know, people wonder why these guys don't paint their cars. And it's like, they could obviously, 
But um, it devalues it so much. When and if we wrap it, you know, it's it's their Aston Martin paint or whatever fancy car brand they have paint is protected underneath, you know, from paint chips and whatnot. So they have what they want, and their factory paint's reserved for the next guy. But you do run into that taking every car apart. There's not when there's a new Aston Martin model. No kids made a YouTube video like a Civic of how to take the door handles apart or the headlights out, and you know. they're built insane so everything takes a bazillion bolts to get out and you know you're on the hook for massive liability for very expensive parts on somebody's very expensive car nobody nobody ever thinks that insurance aspect (laughs) yeah you know so you get a little bit of a premium i did some jobs for porsche north america and we had to have 12 million dollars of insurance to set foot on their property um it was 918 spiders, so the car itself is over a million dollars, two of those. And then in an unmarked building where they had the training facility for 918 spiders, previously Carrera GT, so all of those cars are still there and the engines and all the stuff they did training on. So in case we let something on fire or whatever, yeah, we had to have 12 million to walk on the property and be pre-interviewed, uh, carbon copied the people in Germany. I hired a massive amount of help to get this job done in six hours each time because the cars were on a schedule you know they're press cars and uh, one of them was on a netflix show the motor trend head to head uh it set a world record one of the actual cars that clear full car clear set a world record or fastest car to ever lap luguna seca driven by randy popes so pretty cool huh. pretty and we had randy on an episode uh, about three months ago if anybody wants to go back and look at that i don't have my spreadsheet of episodes in front of me but just uh He's always an entertaining guy. I wish uh, I was really rooting for him with the Pike Peak thing, and it was a bummer that what happens that he wasn't able to kill it. Well, with a tough kind of uh, odd word choices. I mean, it was a bummer, but actually, he was probably pretty fortunate in what he had, and that he didn't kill it. <laughs> but um, you know, if anybody doesn't know, Randy did drive off of Pike's Peak in the Tesla this year, and a couple of days later was in another Tesla going for the record or doing going for the run. But unfortunately it was a, not a, not as prepped as the one that got damaged. Um, and I don't believe it was his fault. It was some sort of surface issue or something, but two big names drove off Pike's peak uh, this year. Well, I mean, he stays out there so much. He's always doing something. Something's going to happen at some point when, you know, you're in that many crazy cars. He, he lives, <laughs> lives the on the track. I'm trying to set you follow him on Instagram or whatever. He's yeah. always at a track somewhere doing something. That what, uh, what are some of the basic tips you might just throw out, not spending, you know, more than two or three minutes on it, but the basic tips, I'm going to go out and I'm going to stripe my car or you know i bought i bought and we'll say i bought a roll of 3m vinyl off of amazon any tips or tricks i mean is it soap and water good or am i better to use just water or is there a special you know etc if it's a wrap vinyl with air release like most of the types of vinyls if you're buying that type of product to wrap your car with or whatever most of anything of those are dry applied vinyl and if you if you look at the back side of them and you see you'll literally see depending on what brand it is it'll look like a checkerboard little octagons dimples whatever you'll see if it has an air release pattern now what happens on eBay and stuff a lot of times people will sell Oracle 651 or one of the other companies signed vinyls and they sell it as a wrap vinyl whatever or they sell their decals from that and if you look at the back side of that it's just smooth there's no air release channels and those 
if you're doing anything of any size, are going to be applied better wet. But if you apply a dry vinyl, a car wrap vinyl with air release, if you apply that wet, it's not going to release. It'll be so slick, it won't stick down, the warranty will be voided, and it's simply not what you want to do. There's no need to do it. You know, the vinyls are manipulated with heat to make them pliable, stretchable. There is a limit to it. You you don't want to stretch it more than, say, 10%. You know, then the glue has uh, less bond to hold with less surface area to hold it. You know, if you stretch the glue out 50%, you're asking a lot from it under a lot of stress, um, even if you use that memory, you know, to break the heat. So you really want to use a lot of, a lot of techniques you learn over time of how you how how you work your squeegee which way you angle it which way you work things to manage the stress of the vinyl to have to manipulate it with heat as little as possible once you get good at it you can really install most of the panels using no heat um especially with some of the easier to apply vinyl so for new people avery vinyl is the easiest to apply if you if you've never done a wrap before do yourself a favor and get Avery vinyl. It, it's really going to help you a lot. 3M, everybody knows the name, like Kleenex. They make a good product, but you have more glue line issues. As a new user, they're pretty comparable. I mean, they're still good, but Avery's better. It's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, I don't have any affiliation with them, but um, it's easier to apply. They all have their own glue issues. They like a Mustang hood that has high ridges in it. If you pull hard over that when you're when you're setting it up to glass it out, you'll get kind of little pills of in the glue where it will roll over. So you learn techniques to not do that. But, you know, if you get through your first wrap and that's the least of your problems, you'll be happy um, where you won't even really notice it. Well, I was going to ask you this question. Uh, Derek, do you have anything before I ask him? You've been kind of. I'm, I'm just, I've, I'm engrossed in listening. I, that's my problem on this show. I don't talk enough because I get so engrossed in listening to what, what our guests have to say. Yeah, th- th- this is something Derek normally doesn't do. And- well, I'll ramble on forever, so help me out. Interrupt me. Yeah, well, the, and that's you know, what John started to say is it's you know, vinyl wrap is – I've experienced some vinyl wrap work like twice so far at the Corvette Museum uh, just because I spend so much time in the antique car world in my personal life and in my career prior to the Corvette Museum. Yeah, I, I find it very interesting in, like you say, with you know just the color change wraps that people do, and that's we did it on a, a simulator. We have a, a racing simulator. We have of a C6 Corvette at the museum. Yeah, we we took it from a dark blue and and put it into Corvette Racing yellow. And uh, Pratt Miller was kind enough. Corvette Racing was kind enough to send us all the decals for the C6R and and dress it up and and all that good stuff. You know, I also find it interesting. We we use a couple companies at the museum, and a lot of museums and exhibits companies do call on vinyl uh, graphic companies. We're using it more and more in our exhibits to wrap, as you were just talking about, wrap walls, wrap, you know, any of our exhibit graphics, things like that. And I find that interesting because you know, as I'm learning from these companies that we're bringing in to do some of this work when we're doing major exhibit rehabs, that there's a lot you can do with vinyl. You know, you're talking about how you stretch it, how you get it to take basically set over shapes properly. What I would call, you know, have it not 
tent over a, a body line or you know a, a flaw in the wall where you you lose that uh, maybe not a flaw in the wall but a, a you know a ridge line or something and you don't want to lose that with you know the the vinyl popping up and so this is it's kind of something new that i mean my experience with vinyl anything like that would be back in the day restoring cars or working on cars with my dad at his shop doing, you know, the old single or double stripe kit down the side of a car. And uh, it's, it's a whole different world now with what you guys are doing in, in full wraps. It's also kind of cool that, you know, this technology can spread over all of these different materials or, or all of these different, um, I'm losing the word I'm looking for. I apologize. But you know, you can you can do a vinyl wrap on a car. You can do it on a brick wall. You can do it on all these different things, and that's how this technology is growing. And so I I, I find it fascinating. I guess my question that I've been kind of holding off on answer or asking because I didn't know where John was going to take things. I'm also uh, uh, very interested in technology and how it changes over time. And of course, reading a lot about vinyl wraps on automobiles lately, and the idea of the self-healing vinyls that are starting to come out. And I definitely wanted to, I didn't want to, you know, shift the topic too far, but see if you have had experience or have been looking into that, you know, self-healing vinyl that they're talking about putting on cars. Well, certainly. So a lot of times, like, so in the color change vinyl, it's not such a big thing in that as it is in the clear bras, but in the color change vinyl, a lot of times the laminate, uh, like a matte black will scratch really easy and there's no laminate. So I usually will try to sell people on a satin black. There's no difference in cost compared to gloss. It still looks matte and you know, there, but there's a satin laminate over it. So light scratches heal out with either a heat gun or in the sun, fingerprints and stuff go away easier. Not everything leaves a grease spot, like a straight chalkboard matte. I'm going to get off track here. So what was the next part of that? Oh, I was just asking your, your thoughts on it and your, uh, you know, basically your knowledge of it, because obviously you have more knowledge in that area than, than John or I have how that might impact, you know, the work you do and, and yeah. Oh, so the self-healing. Yeah. So, and, and also in the clear bras now, what's interesting is the clear bras have had self-healing products in the upper end lines of them. For most, for a couple of years, for most of them. So, Axpal, Suntac, all of the major brands that had a self healing film. Um, Hexus has Body Fence, is a really good film. Hexus has the only one now that self heals with no heat, which is interesting. So, theirs will just, it's really neat. You can scratch it up with a brass brush and it'll literally just heal behind you. Uh, Axpal or Suntac or the other films. Uh, Avery's got a new one out now. You hit them with a heat gun, a steamer, hot water or sometimes parked in the sun over time when they get hot, especially in a dark vehicle, you know, here in the South, they'll self-heal um, that way, but they, they, they're more heat activated. Also, one new thing that's starting to come out now, I haven't played with it myself yet, but I intend to soon, is some of the companies that make clear bra products are making colored clear bras. So now uh, one of the problems with like this straight gloss black vinyl wrap with no metallic in it was it really did scratch pretty easily. Um, you get squeegee scratches just installing it. So, you know, you have to use lubes and whatnot, wrap gloves, that type of stuff. 
and you try to talk customers out of it. You know, a lot of people want to see on a black roof. They want it to blend in with the panoramic sunroof or look that way. Um, but most of the products honestly really weren't that good. Um, you try to tell people, but, you know, customers sometimes insist on what they insist on. But now these clear bra products are coming out with like a black clear bra self-healing and it's perfect. Or like I had a customer with a black Corvette and he wasn't good about washing or maintaining his cars, but with a self-healing clear bra over a black car, it was maintenance free. You know, he parked it outside. Worst case scenario was for him was to pour a mug of hot water over it if, it, you know, something scratched it up. So that is really cool. It's becoming so common now. Almost any car over 60000 in most markets now, is getting full front coverage clear bras. And, you know, any of your exotic stuff and all your Highline vehicles are getting full front ends or full car clear bras. And the product really pays for itself. In just value preservation, you know, if you have a Ferrari or a Italian whatever car, a high-end car, and it comes to the market two years later or, you know, whatever, after oil change number one or two, and your car doesn't have any chips on it because you spent a couple thousand bucks having the front end covered in clear plastic that you can't see, and the next guy has to have his factory Ferrari paint touched up, you know, I mean, there's so much depreciation there that it's exceeded the cost of having the car done so you might as well protect it up front and keep your, your your factory paint preserved it really is the way most people go now some of the dealerships are even setting up little franchises within the dealerships um or satellite you know networks with 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 installers like myself and other people let me ask one final question and then we're gonna wrap up wraps and uh we'll move on to our, our next okay. our next topic but um just as a simple thing um, okay, I, I'm getting ready. I think I want to put a stripe on my car. I want to wrap my car, whatever. Do you have a favorite search term for the University of Google that people should go to that they might get the most benefit out of right offhand? Or do you just say? Well, if people contact me directly, I, I generally have a little sheet that I a type up thing that I'll carbon copy you know, cut and paste and send back to them. But really the most important step for people is clean, clean, clean. So, you know, a Dawn, whatever, a dish soap, wash to strip your wax. I like to hit stuff with a clay bar. Um, and then the isopropyl alcohol wipe down. Um, if you, I tell people, you know, the things that you can do so you don't have to pay me to do them and I don't want to do them. Uh, I'm not a car detailer. I'll do it, but I have to charge you. You know, it's like you go around with, um, Anything that will get up underneath your around your windshield gaskets, all your gaskets where stuff's going to have to get tucked up underneath, that takes a lot of time. Just clean, you know, especially if it's an older car, it's a few years old, it's been parked outside. It's disgusting. But even if you've kept it really clean, um, I'm fanatical about keeping my cars clean and it's still gross up, up underneath the windshield seals, window seals. And that really has to get really, really clean for a wrap, you know, to not fail around those edges. So if you can do that and spend a couple hours, fantastic. It's going to make your wrap last longer and it's going to save you money that you don't have to pay your wrap guy. You want him playing with a squeegee and wrapping the car. You don't want him cleaning your car. You, you know, you can do that yourself and save your, save yourself the money. Well, let's transition into, we alluded at the beginning of the episode that um, you parted ways with, you know, a car that brought you a ton of business, brought you 
a ton of friends. I'm assuming maybe a date or two. <laughs> you're, but you're you're 42 and single. Obviously, not the right date. But, um, but <laughs> you yeah. you finally and, and I, I understand why you did it. And we know I don't want to get into why you did it. But you um, and it's all good. It's not no re, no bad reasons that you you know parted parted ways with your lease that you're an original owner of one of the, but it's an 05. You had first, would they come in 05 or 04? I'm drawing a total blank. Was 05 the first model year? 05. I was on a waiting list for yeah. it. Yeah. First model year lease. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, you, and I, I've sold cars through that site and had good experiences and bad experiences. And I'm not going to whine about, bad experiences or anything you had a really good experience with bring a trailer and that's where you let your car go through um i think the pictures you put up had a lot to do with it you were very very active on the 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 comment section the fact yeah the fact that you're so well known in the lotus community and and the car community in general um there were a lot of people you know just saying hey keith's a hell of a guy he's you know you know, anal about the care of his cars. You know, you had a lot of people backing you. That was super fun. And I was hoping for that, but you don't know that it's going to happen, you know? Yeah. So I felt pretty fortunate. That yeah. I mean, the cat comment section was great in that. And uh, what was your overall impression with dealing with bring a trailer? Like I said, my good experience, great experience with bring a trailer. Um, love the pre stuff, love their support. Well, but- I, I left super satisfied you know, my, my initial impression with bring a trailer was I tried to sell uh, a unique vehicle, a motorcycle, a BMW R9T. My cat needed a surgery earlier this year. So COVID, everything kind of at once I was in a dire financial space to sell, try to sell the most, trying to sell everything, but the motorcycle sold first. So anyway, I tried to submit it to bring a trailer, very unique bike, BMW R9T converted to single seater. And they didn't take it. They said, oh, you know, so we have too many submissions at this time to consider them all. And it kind of missed me because I've seen them take other R9Ts before and since, I'm pretty sure. I mean, other lamer BMWs, you know, by all means. Uh, and I have a friend that tried to sell his Exige. They wanted a really low reserve he didn't feel comfortable with. So he just sold it to a friend of ours, which is cool because I still get to travel in that car now. Um, and I knew the one way that they were going to take my car, my car having higher mileage, eight with the 05 Elise, chrome orange with 82,000 miles. I said, well, if I offer them to take it with no reserve, that's the way they're going to take my car. Otherwise, if I say, hey, I want to set a reserve, they're going to want to set a reserve so low that I'm never going to go with it because I'm not going to agree to it. I'm going to be paranoid, whatever. So I figured, you know what? It's going to be the fair market value at this point in time. We're in a pandemic. But I've seen some articles lately. I've been watching Elisa's on Bring a Trailer and what they've been selling for. And uh, Bring a Trailer's traffic's been up like 40% during the pandemic. There's so many people sitting at home watching it. You know, it's kind of become the new auction. Some of the other ones are down. There's a New York Times article about them, whatever. They told me, you know, hey, we'll run your car in three weeks. I think I had a guy doing some contract work for right now. He's a really good professional real estate photographer. So he took photos of the car, you know, good photos and uh, current of it. I wrote up my listing or, you know, they kind of have a guy that writes up your listing. You have an You're assigned an auction specialist. We hadn't even got to the right up yet, but they said, you know, your car will be it will run in about three weeks. Well, in three weeks, it was about another three weeks. And then three weeks, it's another two weeks. And I'm, I'm kind of, whoa, what, this has been going a long time. I'm kind of got a goal I'm trying to do here. This is extending out and I have other stuff to do. Other cars are selling stuff, you know, 
they all oh, we need this and the the, the uh, Carfax. I, I had a dealer friend pulled one for me, but they needed a PDF, whatever. I so I ended up buying it anyway, and you know, getting whatever else they needed, a couple other photos and whatnot. You know, then it surprised me when it went live. What really helped me too is it sold. It closed on a holiday, so I didn't even realize like three days before that it was closing on the holiday, and uh, everyone you know that still has jobs would have the day off and really nowhere else to go. So a lot of people like me would be watching Bring a Trailer anyway, which turned out to be a real blessing for me initially being impatient, you, you know, so that worked in my favor too. I kind of got lucky. I think I got lucky with that. The people in Bring a Trailer's office liked the car. They all, they made people made comments that they liked that I, I had used the car. I was really worried about the mileage hurting me. Uh, you know, like I said, I had 82,000 miles on it. And you see a lot of these cars go with, 4,000 miles. One closed a few days before me at 21,000 miles. But I ended up really, really happy. Um, for the current value of what most 05 Lotuses go for, mine went pretty high. Um, so I showed it to a couple local guys that test drove it. There was a young guy from Georgia Tech, really nice guy. I was really hoping he'd win it and keep it local. Um, Pitar 8000 was his name on there. And uh, he really did pretty good. And this guy in California was just going to take it at whatever cost he has the money and was really just going to bid whatever. So thank you, Pitar for helping the bid get up there. But, um, you know, the California guy really kind of helped me out on it and he's super excited. He's not worried about overpaying for it because, you know, he said the car will have found its forever home up in these Cal Northern California mountains. And uh, so that's good news to hear. He's super excited about getting the car. We dropped it off at a shop. That a friend owns here just to say, hey, make it, make sure it's perfect. Just give it a once over, you know, and they're sorting out a couple minor, tiny things that should be sorted out uh, tomorrow afternoon. And then it's, he's having me stripe the car since I've done a lot of that, you know, how he wants it. And then I'm sending out a matching stripe kit for his Audi R8. Once COVID's over, I'm looking forward to getting out there. He runs the gambler events and stuff. So it should be super fun to get out there and have met another friend to do fun car stuff with. It's, um, Watching your car and that with the, the mileage, there was a comment in the comment section uh, for your car. You know, you're saying 82,000 miles. It's a Lotus Elise. Uh, well, there's the Lotus component, but somebody did point out if it was a Camry with 82,000 miles and an 05, people would be clamoring for it because of the reliability. And for those that don't know, the Lotus is powered by a, a Toyota engine, same one that was in uh, the Celica's. It's tuned a little bit differently and such, but it's a very reliable power plant. You know, trim pieces and that fall off the car, but they're going to fall off at 4,000 miles or 80,000 miles. So That's true. And most people bidding on the car, for the most part, were all their Lotus owners, except for the Pitar 8000 and then the, the Mark Lindauer, the, the winner. Uh, you know, Randy Chase is very well known in the Lotus community. He started a couple of the forums and everything, made some products. For the Lotuses, SCCA autocross champion, he commented and was bidding on the car up to twenty something thousand. I don't know, and, and he said, um, uh, "My Lotus has over a hundred thousand miles. If I if I win Keith, I'll sell mine." You know, then Richard Sewell, friend of mine from Texas, who's been my driving instructor and stuff at log events and whatnot in the past, he had put over a hundred thousand track miles in his Exige, which is amazing. So probably no one anywhere has put that many track miles on an exige and he went through some commodities and stuff but lotus really supported him very well um and i mean he just did it he was amazing in that car too and normally aspirated 06 i mean it was amazing what he could do with it because he just had so much seat time 
But, um, you know, and he, he was willing to buy the car for extra, for an extra track car for his wife, you know? Um, so that was a nice endorsement that, that there was a lot of other Lotus owners that were saying, I have a Lotus, but if I buy this one, you know, I'll add it or sell mine or whatever. So pretty cool. I say you had that perfect storm for auctions. It's what every seller wants, whether they're at Barrett Jackson, bring a trailer, Russo steel, um, whatever you had at least two people. And I think you probably had half a dozen people in the room with bring a trailer that wanted your car. Um, I've even said, you know, I kind of always wanted your car also when, when you would sell it, but I'm in a building a business phase. You're in a, uh, building the business phase type thing too. Um, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be a player on the car at this time and be responsible for all the other stuff in my life. Or otherwise I'd be that guy. At, he lives in his car, but at least his car's a Lotus. You know, if I would have went ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that a lot, but it, you know, it's, it, it was just, a, it was just kind of a cool car. And if people don't know what's nice about bring a trailer and, we used to bitch to eBay. I was an eBay seller back in 97, 98 when they first came out. You know, they had less than a million items on eBay at the time. When Bring yeah. a Trailer gets a bid, they extend the auction three minutes. And when it gets a bid, I think it's three minutes. Maybe it's maybe it's two minutes. Two minutes at the, at the end of the clock. They extend two minutes. So anybody with money on the table willing to spend it gets the chance to bid. Or, you know, it, it accounts for a computer glitch. That is one really nice thing about their auction for sure it's not like ebay where you can get bid snarks and run out of time if people are willing still willing to spend their money it's gonna let and you said before i believe that you had a corvette or a, a car get really extended for like an hour right i don't remember i was so excited during mine i don't recall the time it got extended by but um you know i i got bids kind of early i even had good bids the day before going into the last day i was happy if i didn't get another bid to be honest with you yeah, you, you, your car kind of defied a lot of bring a trailer because normally you get a lot of bids first day and then nothing happens. And the last day you get a lot of activity, but you, I was hoping I was going to even get the last minute bidding and I wasn't going to be surprised if I didn't, you know, cause the value had already kind of got up there and then it already kind of, there was already kind of those people in every, you could look at their comment history. So you look at their other comments and like they complain in every, they never win any, but they complained in every auction that they bid some low amount on earlier, yeah. you know, so that those guys had already started chiming in is why why they stated it was overvalued, whatever their expert opinion was. And like <laughs> I said, it was just it was just a great great storm for you. And yeah, I, we did a a Corvette. I did a Corvette with a guy, uh, big block '66 uh, convertible. And in the last, you know, it it, it went almost almost I want to say 45 minutes hour longer than it was supposed to. Uh, with our bidding and bidding. I mean, we got up to a number we were happy with, but it wasn't quite our reserve. It was close. And I was kind of talking and saying, yeah, maybe we should go ahead and drop the reserve. Let's go ahead and get, you know, three minutes in and I had bring a trailer on the phone and we could have dropped the reserve. And then all of a sudden at about three minutes to go, somebody bid and it extended and so, and so on. And, we ended up with a phenomenal number on the car and uh, you know, there was a couple. Well, I think the no reserve really helps because you know, it gets its own section. I you know, it's not like bring a trailer didn't really promote it. I really was hoping it would like get sent out in their email blast or their Facebook thing. Um, I mean, it went, I saw it on the one front page of their email, but even in like the closed listings, it didn't list, which I was fine with that. You had to like extend down the last day. You had to extend down from the regular email. So most people wouldn't have seen it. 
but it had a good audience. I mean, I had eight, 800, yeah. 801 watchers, I think. It still had comments going like the day after the auction, which is pretty crazy. Again, I got the market commentary of why it was overvalued and, you know, certain people, <laughs> which is which amusing, but yeah. whatever. Like I said, the, the buyer's happy. So. No reserve's always nice in an auction because people know, you know, it's going going to sell. Uh, you know you're winning yeah. it. You, and you when know. we saw... And that's the thing. The people that got bought heard about... I'm sorry. So, when we sold our Corvette... There had been a couple big block 67s and 66s run recently, and they had all bid up into the 80s and $90,000 and didn't meet reserve. And when we pitched ours to bring a trailer, uh, we told them we wanted a $62,000 reserve. And they said, you know, basically said, what? And I said, we want this car to sell. This is the number we're going to be happy at. This is where we think it should go. And yeah. we we inched up and we were at, you know, a couple minutes to go, we were at 58 k and uh, we're going, well, maybe we should go ahead and sacrifice it and then go ahead and drop it to 58, lose the four grand. It's going to cost us four grand to run it anywhere else or, you know, let's just take the money and run. And then it hit that 62 number and it just went from there. And we added, you know, it, it nice. sold for over 80. Uh, didn't quite be, meet that 90 reserve, but I don't think the cars were worth 90. And this one was, a again, a used car. The, the gentleman that owned it had owned it since 72 or so, and he had had a big block new, and he bought this after Vietnam, and he had owned it, you know, all these years and used it and drove it and treated it well, and, you know, it was numbers matching, et cetera. So it's, it's the nice thing about, you know, I think bring a trailer because on eBay – uh, we we might have hit that, you know, sixty two number or sixty three number, but we would have we would have never seen the additional twenty k because of the the extension, the extension, the extension. So, um, I'll give that to bring a trailer. Yeah, I sold some cars on eBay, and then, but I've had some unsuccessful. I had a fifty seven Anglia. I think it went unsold. I have like a quarter million views, but it, the bidding just didn't get up enough. And the same thing. That's what kind of hosed me is at the end they had bidders. But they ran out of time to get the price up high enough that, you know, I'll become the reserve. Oh, no, you know what? I kept that later. I traded it for Harley. Like, it was whatever. It got traded off and around rounded my way. I sold a Harley. I sold a Buell, my R9T to eBay. So I sold some vehicles through it um, or found bidders through it. You know, even if, it, if the auction didn't sell, sometimes it was, a you know, somebody followed up afterwards. So. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like bring a trailer doesn't take everything. So it's not like you have the option of just listing everything on there. Right now I have a BMW wagon that's a little custom and I'd like to sell it, but it's not a stick shift. Mileage is high. So I don't think they'll take it, you know, but I'll offer it to them. No reserve. See if they'll take it. Um, I have a Jeep ready to go, but, you know, I never transferred the title to my name yet. So I probably just need to sell it locally. (laughs) But uh, or figure out what I'm doing there. The the more so interesting, you know, listening to this, you know, you guys talk about bring a trailer and and some Sorry. of these sites, and bring a trailer is one that uh, so whatever you just said cut out. I lost about the last ten seconds, but so sorry about that. Oh, that's I was just saying, you know, as as people talk about bring a trailer, you know, some of these websites, and you mentioned that you listen to the show, uh, you know, John knows, Will knows, Sean knows. I'm I'm probably one of the worst people with with technology. If it's not a hundred years old, I'm usually not comfortable with it. Bring a trailer is one of those sites, and listening to you, you know the experiences that you guys have had on it, 
I have the toughest time figuring that website out, trying to look at what's listed there, trying to understand how to find things like you were just talking about a minute ago that, you know, your listing was you had to expand things and go down and dig deeper. And and maybe I just haven't spent enough time on bring a trailer, Uh, you know, our guest Myron that we talked about at the beginning is a big bring a trailer fan. I've just never been able to feel comfortable looking on that website for things for sale. And, and of course I'm also kind of more old school in the way I collect my cars, which is usually through word of mouth, finding out about something that's somewhere and it's up for sale. So I've, I've not dove into the world of those, yeah, looking through all those online sites trying to find stuff. Yeah, well, you're going to find the better deals via your method. <laughs> you know, the public internet with everybody at home watching. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to bid against other people. <laughs> yeah. Well, Derek does bring up a good good point on bring a trailer, and it's one of the I guess issues I have. And this isn't me complaining about bring a trailer. This is hopefully constructive criticism. And that it was an excellent site when they were running 20 cars three times a week. Now that they're running almost 100 cars a day, they probably need to look a little bit on the way it's presented and the way it's laid out. And then they have their premium auctions. And we ran a car on the premium auction side. And that involves a separate search. That involves, you know, it's kind of like putting it on its own site and taking it out of the bring a trailer world and putting it in a different world. And I understand some of the logic of that. But I've always thought they need to, you know, they need to really figure out because they're not going to limit the number of cars. I mean, they're they're obviously growing and growing. And Randy's got a good thing going on there. Um but it's, you know, the, the even the way they do it now, they still on the extreme right column. Maybe that should be everything that's listed in the premium um, just so that that stuff stays noticeable. Because if I skip an email one day or I miss a premium listing, I don't know about it ever again unless I go back and search through all, I'll say, the premium. And I think it hurts a little bit, but the game works for them. Uh, there's some players coming in. Um, I've been talking to another auction company. Matter of fact, we're recording on September 19th. They started their first auctions today, and it's a kind of a mix between the real auction world uh, in person and online. And uh, we'll hopefully have uh, its Stratus auctions, and we'll hopefully have Lance on the show in, in a couple of weeks or a couple of months after he gets a feel and knows how his, his experiment's working. But there's some other players on the coming around but i think you know anybody talks about selling a car it's put it to bring a trailer and see if they'll take it and then if they don't everybody's like uh it leaves us with craigslist and ebay (laughs) yeah yeah which aren't good facebook marketplace is like a new craigslist which is a nightmare of the same of the same cesspool and people yeah (laughs) so it's fine like it was a good place to buy my uh twenty eight hundred dollar kia soul by my beater to help me through this little next stage of my project, but not so good trying to sell off my BMW wagon or my Jeep. So I need to find new markets for those. Yeah. Like we said. Yeah. And and that's it is bring a trailer. When bring a trailer came out, loved it because literally you needed to bring a trailer. And I think barn finds is. It was great when there was a lot more basket case projects and you rarely see that now. 
but you really did used to see a lot of $4,000 sub $10,000 things that were like included or trailer, bring your stuff, you know, in boxes. That was fantastic. And I thought I used to have a separate motorcycle site. Like I remember at one point watching two sites, like at some point early on, I forget what they called it, but there was one for bikes that was also the same thing. There was all these great bikes for like three, four, five, six grand. And you could get something super unique. I was trying to think. Um, all of a sudden, Tim Sutter crossed my mind. If he would, if he had a site that would be good for your BMW, um, you know, he, he's the publisher of Grassroots Motorsports. But I don't know. I can't remember if he has one that does that or not. I know Doug demiro has got some auction going now that a few people have told me about. So I need to look into whatever yep. his yep. is because maybe that's a good alternative for it. Maybe I'll have to reach out to him and see if he'll he'll come on the show and talk about. Because like I said, we're as car guys, we're always at a loss. And I mean, I had somebody approach me this week about a, and, and since Keith's on the show, I'll throw it out here. Um, approached me about a 73 Lotus uh, Europa twin cam. I had a 73 Lotus Europa twin cam. I sold it on Craigslist uh, as I was getting divorced and a car just came out of restorations. Gorgeous. And I, yeah. I sold it too cheap, et cetera. But if anybody's looking for a 73 Lotus Europa twin cam, it, ran 18 months ago when the owner passed away it probably needs a little bit of work it's not in great shape i haven't seen photos yet but if you're interested reach out to me uh the number that's being tossed around i think is uh way low um i'm actually trying to talk uh the number up if you're interested reach out (laughs) and i'll see what we can do there but there's nowhere where am i going to put it uh facebook marketplace ebay or bring a trailer like that's the only real things that come out anymore. And unfortunately, you know, Hemmings isn't even a place to put a Yeah. You know, you and you and Will and, and Sean are really good at advertising stuff on the show. It's like the, you know, drop in your little ad here. So one of these times I need to just be like, if anyone listening has an antique car in a barn, please reach out. Now, I was going to say, 73 Lotus Europa Twin Cam, it's kind of, it's an antique and it's in a barn. It's more than 25 years old and it's in a barn. <laughs> a, a true antique. A true, let's go 75 years old. And Derek just drug home or will be dragging home another car he showed me. The remnants of. If, if we've seen the meme going around Facebook with the four tires and it says, you know, selling truck, some parts missing. And it's four tires. Derek bought kind of the reverse of that. <laughs> but I was going to say there's no tires. <laughs> I'm not sure where else we can go. We're a little over an hour. Like we usually close it up. I'm sure Derek has some sort of question or uh, notation here. And then we might go ahead and uh, wrap it up and um, maybe get, uh, get Keith back at some point in time. And, and like he says, he talks a lot and he's uh he goes through some pretty interesting uh-huh. cars. Good luck at editing, man. <laughs> uh, editing's the fun part of this uh, this work. Well, you know, yeah. John. I mean, like you say, I mean, he's he's obviously wrapped some interesting cars, and uh, sounds like done some work for some of the sports teams down around that uh, Atlanta area. So, I mean, obviously, I, I it's got to be asked if he's wrapped a Zamboni, right? I mean, all Zambonis are wrapped with advertisement. I have not wrapped a Zamboni. <sighs> I know a guy who has wrapped anything you can think of, a blimp to stuff in the stadiums, but he's been doing it as long as I've been alive. 
but no Zamboni for me. So you've worked with the Braves, you've worked with the Falcons, but you've never worked with the Thrashers. Not in this regard. <laughs> I did doing some stuff with Saab one time, but that was a different story. All right. Well, if anybody from the Thrashers is listening, you need your Zamboni rap. <laughs> this is the guy. Yeah, certainly. Do you want to plug any social media, Keith, or do you just want to send it to me and I'll put it in the uh, show notes uh, for people to reach out to you? Uh, You know, really, I'm not great about keeping up with it. I do Facebook. I have a Euphoria Facebook page. I kind of just update stuff in groups on there. But people can get a hold of me through there. I have a EuphoriaGraphics.com website. It's kind of out of date and stuff. But there's some galleries of old stuff. I've done a lot of Lotus photos and you know, a lot of there's probably some Porsche galleries and there should be some fun stuff on there. I've done, I've been doing a lot of fun cars for over 10 years and I've worked in the automotive industry one way or the other, you know, my whole life. And it's not that you've given up on the work. It's that you really have, you're too busy to really worry about asking for more work. You, it seems you're always, always involved with some project or doing something. And I can understand how that keeps you away from the web, the web page. And yeah, I say so. super busy. I say super busy. We'll link the uh, web page in the. I say we'll link the web page in the Facebook, and if anybody needs to reach out to Keith, especially if they're in the Atlanta area, or again a Lotus guy, most people know how to get him in the Lotus circuit. Wrapping needs again. He's he's not there to teach you. He's there to do the work. Sometimes I teach people. Every once in a while, I do classes, and uh, that happens from time to time. And we can handle the printing needs. So, you know, I, I'm hooking up a couple of guys that have access to a lot of equipment as far as, you know, an eight foot wide printer, six inch with X printers. Um, so we can do, you know, any printed commercial wraps. We do a lot of etched glass, cut metal, just about anything. Well, I know you've got all that. I mean, you've played in the uh, t shirt business, you've mm-hmm. played in the uh, little sticker business. Uh, I know you do racing um, gumballs for people, especially uh, Leadfoot. And I think a lot of people know who she is. Yeah, actually, she had me out for her wedding. And it, if it was not COVID right now, I would have. She offered to fly me out to do her race numbers, you know, and I would again, but it's like she's 85 and it's COVID. And I, yeah, how can I go stay with her? <laughs> So I just had another an old customer of mine that I've done some work for over the years offer to fly me out to, to San Diego. Again, I don't want to be stuck on a plane that long. You know, I've seen how they're packing people in from a few friends that have been on flights late, lately. And, you know, I might take some short flight if I knew it wasn't something crowded, but I'm not getting packed into a plane to fly all the way to California right now as much as i would love I've, there's a couple airlines that are doing <laughs> the every other seat thing and then there's a couple that are doing the sardine can so you just have to pay pay attention yeah. and it was great chatting with you tonight keith it's been a while since you and i have kind of talked and i'm sorry if it was too much chat for, for li- listeners been. but um i think it was a great great show again we touched a little bit on uh rapping and some of the you know, I, I definitely learned some things, and I think uh, Derek did too. And uh, good to chat about Bring a Trailer and the Bring a Trailer experience. And uh, somebody who, in my opinion, really won the game. Because if I would have been a buyer on that car, I would not have been near that number. So I, I think you did well. I think your new owner's happy. Yeah, um, I was happy. <laughs> good luck on the BMW and the Jeep. And uh your future endeavors. I can't wait to see what happens. Cool. Well, thanks. Keep in touch, John, and hopefully I'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, and I'm out of here. Thanks. Thanks for being on, Keith. Have a great night. 
Thank you for listening, and remember to look us up at nodrivinggloves.com. There you can find back episodes, links to products we recommend, and links to all of our social media. Be sure to tell a friend about us. No Driving Gloves is edited and produced by J. Lewis Productions. <laughs>